Bizzle. We call it the Jesse James. Jesse, aka the Bizzle. Yo, the Bizzle. Thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle. Thank you, the Bizzle. Yeah, the Bizzle. All right, BizzleCast listeners, the Bizzle is back with more Avengers predictions. I swore I wasn't going to, and then I said I probably would, and then I said I wasn't sure. Um, uh, but I've had a number of responses from friends and conversations having to do with my predictions. Some friends agree with me strongly. Some are very dis- uh, disagree very strongly. Some are in the middle, at least willing to entertain the idea of some sort of time loop or mixed-up time continuum alternate universe parallel universe tangential universes and the the real reason i'm doing this is twofold one is that in my epic almost two hour long predictions podcast although it was really like an hour of predictions there's like 20 minutes of setup i don't know if you guys had a chance to listen to it um but uh, i was actually forming ideas as i was going um mostly having to do with the number of universes who's in the alternate universes are any of them really alternate if all universes are in in the unlimited multiverse that Doctor Strange can exist in, for example, and, and Ant-Man um, possibly can exist in, they're all equally valid. So the question really is, you know, from which perspective are we going to be getting it from at which parts in the movie? Now, I, I strongly, um, just to recap, feel that there is specifically with Scarlett Johansson's blonde hair that came out of nowhere in um, uh, Infinity War and then her very, very red hair combined with her and Hawkeye and Tony looking very haggard in certain frames of uh, the new trailer, Hawkeye having different haircuts, Tony looking really unlike Tony, um, and the different filters that were used that they're hinting very, very strongly at some different realities going on. Now, my central prediction in terms of the movie was, just to quickly recap, you can go back and listen to that Bizzlecast, is as follows, which is, the movie is going to start right after the snap. It seems like Captain Marvel comes pretty early. We're going to be with the uh, you know main six Avengers plus uh, a few, and and there were major posters released today. And the posters that were released that show half of uh, I believe there are sixteen total, and eight are in color. Um, most of the ones that we think are quote unquote alive, eight are not in color, including uh, or actually in black and white, including some like Nebula that we thought for sure were dead or wouldn't come. Back. Back, uh, this quickly there's one of John Favreau um, as well I don't know if that's a joke I mean he does play happy and he was the director of Iron Man and instrumental in the MCU and of course is directing the Mandalorian for the Star Wars TV show on Disney Plus now uh, so that might be a joke uh, but uh, happy is certainly a memorable character as Tony's driver slash you know chauffeur sidekick whatever in the various Iron Man movies and and uh uh, and, and so on and so forth. So the posters got me thinking as well. So I feel very strongly that the beginning is going to be Than- um, Thanos in his bizarre dream world, utopia, whatever the fuck's going on. And Thor and the shot we see with the axe lighting up and him looking very serious and what looks like a normal filter um, uh, that matches the end of Infinity War, probably with Captain Marvel. And uh, I, this is one I heard online. I think it's definitely the case, which is Thor and probably Captain Marvel, maybe just Thor, or maybe the two of them and others. Um, but they're the two most powerful. It would make sense to get their, you know, buddy, um, you know, friendship going or whatever. That they would somehow go to Thor's dream world and demand and threaten that he restore everything. And Thanos be like, "Look, guys, I got what I wanted. I snapped my fingers. I killed half the universe." 
and now I'm where I want to be, and the gauntlet's destroyed because you guys hurt me pretty bad. So even if I wanted to restore things, I couldn't because I've snapped my fingers and the gauntlet's destroyed and it's already happened. So as I said in my first predictions podcast, uh, I can't and I won't. Now they might threaten him, they might torture him, they might even kill him. I I wouldn't be surprised if they torture and or kill or badly wound Thanos to make sure he's not lying about this, but I think Thanos is in this dream utopia that he's always wanted to be in. Now, I predicted a long time ago that Thanos would not be the final villain, so while this particular image of early on Thor and Carol um, perhaps threatening Thanos fits with my notion that Thanos would appear in the final movie but not be the ultimate big baddie fits with it and would also make <laughs> the Avengers as depressed as they are the living Avengers and whoever's left on Earth including Ant-Man who I'm about to get back to is a major reason I'm, I'm, I'm doing the second one uh, would make them even more depressed um, and this is blonde haired Natasha this is post snap this is that same reality we see at the end of Captain Marvel and the mid credits tease when she shows up that you know they're seeing who's left on earth and you know captain marvel responds to nick fury's call before he's ashified with Kobe smolders as maria hill as well um but uh so let's just say that happens early on they come back to the main avengers they're like look we tortured thanos or you know we, we pushed them to the point where as much as we hate to admit it we believe it as horrible as he is again maybe they kill him maybe they don't maybe they get the gauntlet back it seems likely they will because in the comics nebula wields the gauntlet and kills or almost kills thanos in the uh, comics captain america can wield the gauntlet so maybe they do get the gauntlet and thanos doesn't even care because he's already accomplished what he needs to accomplish which was to get the infinity stones Again, his motive is never clear. One of my few criticisms of Infinity War, why he thinks half the universe being dead will solve everybody's problems, doesn't really make sense, either from a logistical, statistical uh, you know, perspective or from a motive perspective on his end. So they take the gauntlet, leave Thanos to his deluded, utopian, bizarre dream world or whatever the hell he's doing, come back to the Avengers, and now they're like, fuck. Now, this is where my predictions begin. Now, I don't know how it's going to happen, whether there's a big explosion or the gauntlet. Um, I I think there's a chance the gauntlet might cause this immediately. There's a chance that they just go to sleep and Donnie Darko style wake up and all of a sudden it's like an alternate but similar reality. Um, But this would be the end of Donnie Darko where people wake up and they remember the, you know, uh, you know, Donnie Darko's 30 days that he resets by at the end of the movie. Spoiler alert going back to bed and just not leaving so that the engine from the tangential universe kills him, thereby restoring the normal quote-unquote universe, saving his family, his friends, and possibly the whole universe by by his sacrifice. But we see his mom recognize his girlfriend, even though they never met, because time gets reset 30 days to the beginning of his trippy situation throughout that movie. And we see all of the major side characters and, you know, semi-main characters wake up in a cold sweat and it's very obvious they remember what going on so i don't know if the gauntlet's gonna like you know kind of explode in their face and and cause this the way natasha and company get screwed with by the scarlet witch and avengers Age of ultron i think it would be cooler if whether it's by the gauntlet directly or not they just go to sleep and wake up and when they wake up we see them separated completely they know who they are perhaps my amnesia theory doesn't necessarily stipulate that they know who they are or not but they definitely don't know their avengers they definitely don't know who each other are hence the very 
sort of confused look between Hawkeye and and, Scar- um, and uh, Black Widow and the sort of dystopian future city. But then there's a look of recognition and then they're holding hands. And as I said, in all the best, you know, time travel um, uh, or even memory loss kind of movies like Memento or alternate universe movies or stories, you know, they, there's still a fragment of recognition even while the universes branch off. And whether they converge or not, I'm going to get back to in a second. And then there's that look of recognition between people who love each other on whatever level it is with Black Widow and uh, and Jeremy Renner as as Hawkeye. And because it's a three hour movie, and they're being very open that it's going to be close to a three hour movie. I'm glad, you know, for me, uh, three hour movies are often if they're brilliant. Whether it's Braveheart, sorry guys, whatever you think about Mel Gibson, Braveheart's one of the best movies of all time. Whether it's Gladiator, whether it's the Lord of the Rings movies, or whether it's the final fucking Avengers movie, give me more, more, more. I'm hoping Episode Nine, Star Wars, is at least two and a half hours, if not more because in the hands of great directors like the russos with the avengers finales and jj abrams with episode nine the conclusion of three trilogies in the entire skywalker saga as far as we know in their capable hands i'd rather get as much as possible because we're not going to get any more with the characters that we love so much and avengers you know even way more than the the saga trilogy the current saga trilogy um, in uh, in Star Wars Episode Seven, Eight, Nine. Yes, we love Ray. Yes, Kylo is fascinating. Whether you love him or hate him, or you know, love him as a villain, or you want him to die, or you're Raylo Shipper, or whatever. You know, and, and I think we're going to get the best Poe Dameron. I think we're going to get the best Finn from John Boyega. We're definitely going to get a much better Kelly Marie Tran, who's great, but was had the hardest role, and you know, was too cliched in the Last Jedi. She's going to be awesome. So all the main characters are going to be great in Episode Nine. But it, even with none of the main cast around other than you know Forrest Ghost Luke you know we know Mark Hamill filmed but I can't imagine they're going to let him try and steal the movie like he did or almost in episode 8 depending on your perspective in a good or bad way again depending on your perspective it's mostly going to be in the hands of the new cast we need a long epic Return of the King type movie that you know gives us the biggest fights yet the biggest epics yet the biggest philosophy the biggest moral conundrums you know everything on a nice Edge even more than what we've seen between good and bad, Sith and Jedi, or I guess we should say light side and dark side Jedi going at it. Really, two hours and or two hours and fifty minutes is just not enough. But even more so with the Avengers since two thousand eight, starting with Iron Man and the introduction of Black Widow, Thor, Cap, Hawkeye, the original six Avengers all of whom seem to be there, including Bruce Banner as the Hulk. Um, now, we don't see Hulk in the quantum suits. I'm going to get back to that. Um, but, you know, it's clear they want to dramatically, from a screenwriting perspective, um, you know, feature the Avengers that, that, that Joss Whedon made so legendary and iconic and that we've loved and followed all these years as sort of a handoff to the new Avengers in the new Marvel Universe. Now, there's basically two ways to resolve this. Um, and I'm going to get back to the fact that, again, I think the first hour is going to be my amnesia theory slash alternate universe theory where they either wake up or through the gauntlet unconscious and then reconscious in this new world with redhead Scarlett Johansson, dystopian future, where, again, a lot of people are dead, but they're not sure why, as opposed to the ashification where, you know, like, they have no idea where the Ashai people are going, assuming they're alive. I mean, we know they're alive, but... You know, we don't know if they're going to an altered dimension. I speculate in my podcast back and forth whether the um, 
the original, um, I should say, the people who are not Ashified, which is mostly the original six plus a few um, at the end of Infinity War. It appears from their perspective that everyone else, even in the best case scenario with the Ashification, is going into an alternate universe if they're not dead. I'm speculating that the, the, that the ones that we think are in the prime timeline are actually the ones going into the alternate universe. Now, I realize there's a contradiction between that and then them waking up in their own alternate universe where the Avengers have to meet each other again for the first time, just like uh, Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow and Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye meet again for the first time. Would be a great, great, great bookend. It wouldn't cheapen anything that's happened. In fact, if anything, it shows that the, the, the original Avengers coming together to save the universe, but on the biggest scale yet, would, is perfectly fitting bookend to not only 2012's Brilliant Avengers by Joss Whedon in the original cast, but going all the way back to Iron Man 2008. Now, I just did my Civil War commentary, which was fantastic, with my buddy Abdil, Captain America Civil War. There's so many structural problems with the plot of that movie and superheroes punching superheroes and the reasons why, you know, being very muddied in the stupid airport battle where it's just like an exercise of six on six to show special effects where they're clearly just, we're ramping up for Infinity War. So from that standpoint, it's fine. But Iron Man acting as babyish as Peter Quill at the end, being like, I was your friend too, you know, and trying to kill Bucky, not understanding what's going on after everything he's been through. Doesn't even work with Tony Stark's selfish character and is only saved because of the what I consider much more interesting but um, much more subtle drama between Zemo and Black Panther at the end. Um, and it's clear, and every time I watch Captain America Civil War, that A, it doesn't feel like a Cap movie, unfortunately. It feels like Cap and Tony Stark movie. But really, if you go all the way, it feels like Avengers 2.5, but really Avengers 3. I mean, Avengers Endgame is technically Avengers 4, but if Cap Civil War, with all the characters and all the screen time all the characters get, that's Avengers 3. So that means Infinity War would be Avengers 4 and Endgame would be 5. Whatever. Who cares? cares but it's clear that the thing that they are setting up the most in that movie is black panther because chadwick boseman has all the most dramatic scenes all the fight scenes involve him the biggest revelation and the biggest character growth is all uh you know black panther related and so forth however as i had thought i had remembered vision does his sort of dark knight um esque prediction um not prediction but analysis that uh, you know, all these cosmic forces that are so far beyond anything they'd seen other than Captain Marvel. Uh, I don't know if I'll have time. The fact that there's this huge alien invasion in the 90s with Captain Marvel, and all of a sudden nothing happens until Thor in 2011. Um, and, and, you know, that's what mobilizes S.H.I.E.L.D. as Nick Fury, when he points to Thor uh, as the reason why they're weaponizing the Tesseract is to prevent against Thor. Now we have to sort of retcon that to include Captain Marvel and the Skrulls, because we know that Fury and Coulson then know about that going back to the 90s. But I guess since there hadn't been an incident in 20 years, you know, they assumed it was a one-off thing. And, but then when Thor and Loki come to Earth with the Destroyer and then, of course, the Jatari destroying New York um, and, and all that, now they are really getting scared of, uh, you know, uh, foreign bodies, if you will, uh, aliens and, and people from other dimensions and other parts of the universe, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Vision points out that, you know, starting with Iron Man and the more Avengers are added and the stronger they get, the more intense and strong and powerful their adversaries from outside of Earth get. And I don't know if, if Vision 
just doesn't put it together because he's limited in his android mind and in relatively new existence. And of course, everyone else is so emotional. The battles of what's going on in Civil War, no one puts together the implications of what he's saying, which is, again, just to restate very quickly, what the Dark Knight is specifically about, the new class of criminal, which is the Joker, which is the Joker would have never arisen without as someone as, you know, brutally effective at fighting crime is Batman. Now, Gotham is drowning in, you know, criminal acts. And yes, there was a major terrorist attack in Batman Begins that Batman stops. But that could still be chucked up to domestic terrorism. But someone as nihilistic and brutally destructive um, uh, who just wants to see the world burn, to quote Alfred in The Dark Knight, would never have arisen without someone who is his equal opposite positive you know, uh, uh, value, just, you know, the one and the zero, which is what the Neo Smith thing is about in, in the Matrix movies, is that, you know, Smith turning into this all-powerful virus that's even more powerful than the Matrix that created Neo as a fake messiah that they could control in an endless cycle of controlling the rebellious natures of humans, channeled through the messiah figure, Neo being the sixth, so the architect says, um, even they cannot stop Smith and he only arises because Neo, you know, is is a force unlike any had seen of of pure good. Um, and and in the very end, you know, the one line that no one ever picks up on because everyone's turned off Matrix Revolutions if they even watched it or got that far is you know Smith's about to finally try and assimilate Neo, and there's a look of just total um, fatalistic realization. Um, in Neo's face, and he says to Smith, he says, you're right, Smith, you've always been right, it is inevitable, you know, the thing that Smith's been hammering home throughout the movies, but especially Reloaded and Revolutions, Smith looks very unsure, goes through with the assimilation, realizes too late that the machines and Neo had teamed up to send an antivirus through Neo's, you know, presence in the Matrix, I suppose, to take down Smith, um, but that, you know, uh, in general, you know, nothing's pure white and pure black, and the Matrix takes it all the way to say, well, if Neo is truly the one, as they keep saying, oh, the one, the one, the one, then then Smith, who is completely nihilistic and is open about him being completely nihilistic, he would be the zero in the binary system against the one, and the only way that the whole thing could be stopped um, from a metaphorical standpoint, and they try and work it in the plot, and that's what's so clumsy, but from a metaphorical standpoint, what they're stressing is the only way for a pure zero and a pure one uh, to survive is to cancel each other out and then hope that whatever is left is, you know, uh, survivable or, you know, reconcilable between, um, uh, you know, humans and Zion and what's left of the machines, and the machine's really going to leave Zion alone. The architect swears that there'll be a peace at least for a while, and the Oracle says, well, I'll take it as long as we can, you know, get it, basically. Of course, you know, no one asks the question about, you know, when Neo leaves the Matrix, at that moment, he could just be going to another level of the Matrix. Many of us, as a side note, speculated and hoped that this was the case, that after everything he went through, leaving the Matrix, you know, throwing up, you know, losing his mind, barely accepting that the Matrix was a thing, and then this big, you know, messianic battle between the machines and humans, well, what if there's still another level of the Matrix? 
matrix and it's just another system of control. Now they do explore that with the architect. It is a system of control and in fact it is more interesting philosophically that they're controlling humans outside the matrix through the fake messiah complex as I call it um, uh, of, of creating these ones, these neos over and over and over again because you can't control the small number of super rebellious people so why not get them to follow a messiah that you create to a point where you can control it and then destroy the whole thing and start over again thereby keeping the one per you know the point one percent of humans will always rebel in check okay so what does it have to do with the avengers what does it do with the avengers is that dr strange in his 14 million 300 thousand scenarios or whatever in the middle of infinity war when he goes crazy you know time loop uh time traveling past present future whatever that we know he can do from his movie um, with with Dormammu, who, by the way, seems way more powerful than Thanos. One of the reasons I don't want Thanos to be the big bad guy is it seems like if Doctor Strange can beat Thanos, uh, I'm sorry, can beat Dormammu with an infinite time loop of his creation, you know, it seems like he should be able to beat Thanos. But for some reason, in 14,300,000, there's only one way that this ends with the good guys winning, uh, according to Doctor Strange, and it includes the ashification with the Infinity Gauntlet and all the suffering and pain and everything that goes on with the surviving people and who knows what happens to the people who are ashified. But for whatever reason, he determines that that has to happen even in the winning scenario. But what he also determines is that, indeed, just like we need Batman to, to stop the Joker, despite what the Joker says, and just like we need Batman to stop Bane from, you know, being even a worse villain in terms of, like, actual, you know, killing of people. I mean, let's put it this way. they don't If they don't stop Bane in Gotham, you know, the League of, of Shadows, the League of Assassins, whatever you want to call them, I mean, they want worldwide destruction um, at, at some level that's not far off from what Thanos wants. And, and their goals and missions, as stated by Bane, and then with the heel turned by Miranda Tate and all their followers and so forth, believe in a very similar thing. Nevertheless, just like Rey, and, you know, the, the, the one cogent thing that Luke Skywalker says, uh, other than at the end when he's a total ninja, badass, you know, uh, 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 with his uh, astral projection fooling Kylo Ren and letting the good guys get away, projecting himself across the galaxy, which had never been done before. But before he has his, you know, a pre-death uh, enlightenment, as it were, and sitting in the lotus position from uh, Octo Island, he says the giant have to die. And the whole point of Ray's character, like Ahsoka and even Ezra and the Bendu and characters in the animated series and elsewhere in the literature um uh they're not necessarily gray jedi but there's you know there, there has to be a realization and i think ray's starting to get this i don't think kylo gets it there, there's a difference between jedi versus sith which is based on bureaucracy and history and grudges and many many thousands of years of orders being built and battle lines being drawn the difference between jedi and sith and then the light side and the dark side there has to be balance between light side and dark side, but it can't be purely gray because if it if it tilts just a little towards the the dark side, then everything gets destroyed. So the light side does have to prevail, maybe not always, and maybe not completely. And it's an infinite battle that can never end. That's part of the story of Star Wars. Nevertheless, Rey, as the head of the light side Jedi's, not or I'm sorry, the the light side Force users going up against Kylo and the dark side force users, that's what this is really going to be about. Now, we're, it's going to appear optically like a much better version of Attack of the Clones, you know, with Jedis fighting robots. Here, we're actually going to get good force, light force users against dark force users. The optics might look like Jedi versus Sith, but the reality is Rey is fighting for the good, for the light. 
you know um and not for the jedi order the jedi order did have to die and that's why luke's the last jedi but he's not the last light side force user that is the whole point is that ray is going to usher in a whole new i'm using the word order lightly but she's gonna she's gonna usher in a whole new philosophy now she stole all the books she's gonna usher in a whole new philosophy that involves learning yes about the light but also not getting rid of emotion learning to deal with emotion and channel emotion positively ray is constantly able to channel anger and emotion at all the right moments to defend herself and to protect her friends and to fight the good cause but then she always comes back to herself whereas kylo in his brief moment of defending ray and killing snoke in last jedi almost immediately goes back to the dark side and lets the anger hatred and you know hunger for power and so forth take him over again ray is able to do this ahsoka is able to do this in the um, animated series ezra is mostly able to do this in the animated series so i think this is this is like the big lesson and so this is going to also be dr strange's uh, plan and lesson which is nick fury was right it, you know even if the avengers forming to fight alien i mean it, it's a it's a non-time travel version. It's an infinite loop that's not a time travel loop. It's not the John Connor loop. It's not the John Connor sending someone back in the past to make sure he's born so he can send someone back in the past to make sure he's born to send someone back in the past, etc. But it is an infinite loop of, okay, well, there's, there's you know, aliens, very powerful aliens coming to kill us. Um, and so we need strong, you know, forces on Earth, human, gods, hulks, Iron Man suits and otherwise to find it and but but scarlet witches but visions but we get stronger and so they get stronger and so thanos has to do it himself as he says i think at the end of ultron in the post credits he says well i guess i'll have to do it myself um or is it in guardians i can't remember if it's the guardians post uh or the age of ultron post he says like i guess i have to do it myself because the avengers are too good that even his minions can do it so thanos has to come to earth and make all the misery happen that happens at the end of infinity war nevertheless in the 14 million 300 thousand scenarios dr strange determines that indeed the avengers have to come together but they have to come together in a different way and the only way that you can truly do that is by basically giving them amnesia or something to set them on a different path of how the avengers come together how they understand the world and that they probably have to sacrifice themselves this time you know tony you know at different times in all the movies like oh up till now almost you know all the good guys almost die at various points and other than gamora um maybe and other than loki when you get back to that maybe die it seems like they're coming back and people you know complain that well how can you set stakes in marvel when none of the good guys ever die and now we know that all all the people, all the good guys who are heroes who are ashified at the end of Infinity War are clearly coming back. Nevertheless, these Avengers need to sacrifice themselves, but it has to happen differently or in parallel. So I'm going to get to the character posters in a second because this is very informative, but I just want to lay out how I think the movie is going to go. And I would say right now, the second hour and a half to two hours, I have no idea. But I feel very strongly that after that initial confrontation of Thanos by Thor, Carol Danvers, and whoever, that fails. Maybe they get the gauntlet. Maybe uh, you know, It seems they'll probably get the gauntlet at least. Thanos will just say, fuck it, I've already accomplished what I wanted, it's broken, take it. Um, and uh, you know, maybe they'll find a way to, to do something with that. 
or maybe they just use it against them straight up at the beginning of the movie as various forms in the comics. They're going to be extra depressed, and then we're going to see the the alternate Earth 2, as I've been calling it, red-headed Scarlett Johansson, Hawkeye looking really gaunt and weird, Tony looking really gaunt and weird, the yellow-green filter that looks very different than any filter we've seen. And this isn't the over-the-top, you know, having bad memories of the past and the people gone, you know, cap in the black and white with the red with Peggy's um, casket from Civil War. Um, which I forgot that scene was lifted from Civil War. Thor remembering Asgard, Tony remembering the desert, and Pepper Potts and so forth. Um, this is like a very subtle filter that if you watch enough science fiction and genre movies, there's a clear difference between the scenes that seem to take place in an alternate dystopian present or near future. I think there's a chance, I didn't mention this last time, there could be time a time jump or multiple time jumps of, of months or even years going on here. As they attempt to, because if, 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 let's say the alternate time, time, um, the uh, branch that I'm proposing, let's say they, they go to sleep, they wake up, they have no idea where they are, they have these dreams of all these weird events and people they knew, but they don't know them and they don't remember it. And it's as I think, and the Avengers have to come together in a different way again for the first time. Um, and that is at the exact moment time-wise, even though we know time's the fourth dimension and it's malleable, blah, blah, blah. But let's say it's exactly the same moment in 2019 um, or 2018, 2019, whatever, where the snap happened with blonde-haired Scarlett Johansson and the normal camera filter and the people we see not ashified. It could take a while for the Avengers to find each other and come back together. I wouldn't be surprised if this goes, you know, a, months or years into the future and they have to find each other. But again, Doctor Strange saw that the Avengers would have to come together but in a different way at a different time through different means and manifest their their powers and their relationships in different ways and that Nick Fury was right about the Avengers initiative and he was also right about the original six but he also didn't take into account some other characters that needed to be there for them to win and I think the greatest support of my podcast from a few days ago my predictions are the let me count Eight, 16, I'm sorry, 32 um, that I can find um, headshots that say Avenge the Fallen that were released uh, today or yesterday as of recording on March 29th, okay? Now, the following people are in color, okay? Their pictures are in color. Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner, original Avenger. Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye, original Avenger. Tony Stark, original Avenger. Uh, Thor, uh, Black Widow, and Captain America, all original Avengers. Now, the other two that are in the first eight are Captain Marvel, who we know is coming. We've seen it twice <laughs> at the end of the Avengers trailer with a very cute and sexy interchange with Thor. And then, of course, her own post uh, mid-credit sequence um, where she's responding to Nick Fury's um, signal and Ant-Man who I initially dismissed but at the very end of my predictions podcast if you got there started to come to the, the notion that maybe those quantum suits are quantum suits and aren't just a nod to the comics even though they look much more like spacesuits and they're in a hangar and what must be going towards Captain Marvel's ship and that giant hangar we know she flies the ship we know she's there but Ant-Man is fig- figures very prominently now he comes out of the quantum zone the beginning of all this with his own adventure but he includes really did not get ashified but his look shows you know every missing persons and he looks around and it's like completely empty in his world his family's gone the wasp is gonna imagine lily is the wasp gone family daughter everyone ex-wife all gone so they're clearly you know 
the, 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 let's put it this way. The seventh and eighth Avenger, for the, for the purpose of this film, in terms of how powerful they are and how much they're going to need their power, is clearly Captain Marvel, who is this level 10 Omega powerful, like Thor and the Hulk and some of these other people. And Ant-Man, who, if he can fully control the suit and knows how to navigate the various levels of the quantum zone, he's not a level 10 in terms of himself, but him in the suit and his ability to manipulate the suit makes him a level 10 because he can do on the quantum level what what Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange can do at the cosmic level. Think of it as relativity and quantum physics, okay? So Einstein spent his entire life trying to reconcile, um, well, first of all, proving Newtonian physics wrong and the whole notion of relativity. He proved through math and, 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 um, and brain experiments, you know, and mind experiments, which is all proven true later, you know, that, you know, closer to gravitational bodies, time acts differently, at different speeds, times act differently. All of this was proven to be true. But since Einstein been trying to reconcile the bizarreness of the relative bizarreness of relativity on the huge scale of gravitational gravitational bodies um, and, and gravitational effects with the quantum physics of, you know, smaller than particles, smaller than quarks, you know, to string theory or their 10 dimensions, 11 dimensions. That's where Ant-Man operates. So if you look at Carol Danvers um, uh, as sort of the Einstein relativistic superpowered, you know, level 10 uh, uh, Avengers, then the quantum physics one would be Paul Rudd, of all people, as Ant-Man. And so they're actually, I think, dramatically on screen going to somehow combine and do what they call quantum relativity, essentially, and reconcile the quantum zone with, you know, the relativistic physics that uh, it gives Doctor Strange his powers as well, as, you know, him just being able to not manipulate time per se, but operate within time and manipulate time as if it were just another spatial dimension. So those are the first eight that are in color. Okay. Here are the second eight that are in color. First of all, Gwyneth Paltrow's Pepper Potts and John Favreau as chauffeur slash buddy slash butler of Tony Stark. I have no idea. I mean, I know Pepper Potts was the first romance. It's the only one the comic book nerds love. They don't really like any of the other romances, except I think people would be cool with Valkyrie, with Tessa Thompson. We'll get back to her, because she's in color, too, in these photos. So I'm assuming that this is a nod towards Iron Man being the beginning of all this. Um, It's a tribute to Jon Favreau having been, you know, on the brain trust from the beginning, even after Iron Man 2, which was roundly not loved by fans, still to today. Nevertheless, Without Iron Man, none of this is possible. Even more than Joss Whedon, he's been there from the beginning, been advising Disney, now he's moved on to Star Wars. It doesn't mean he stopped with Marvel and Pepper Potts being sort of the thing that Tony's always been fighting for. And the thing that's, you know, it's the thing that's supposed to set Tony off being a baby in Civil War, acting like Peter Quill, is not just the parents being dead, obviously, but is him not. <laughs> satisfied with the breakup with Pepper Potts we don't even see in Civil War. It is the notion. I mean, it's it's very juvenile, but I, I don't know what to make of the two of them being in color. So I'm going to ignore that for now. The other six are as follows. Nebula, who we see in numerous scenes, both with the Avengers and on her own. She also looks like she's in a, um, a post-apocalyptic bunch of explosions, but also in the, in the airplane hangar scene, she's wearing the quantum suit. 
Rocket, we don't see with the quantum suit. I think he's definitely there with the quantum suit. We just, you know, we already see that great shot with Rocket. Uh, with Rhodey, who's also in color here, um, you know, we had thought, I think, Rhodey and uh, Denai Guerrero as the head of the Dora Milaje, also in color here, were dead. Now, for me, Nebula being basically more machine than woman, and Rocket being not a human or even a humanoid, would make total sense that those two would survive. We see Benedict Wong, who plays Wong, you know, Doctor Strange's best buddy and awesome magic user who was underused in Doctor Strange, but was very funny and was great at the beginning of Infinity War. It would make sense that he could use magic to protect himself. We don't know really what's going on with Strange. I mean, you know, whether he's Ashified or not, who knows what Strange is up to. But we have Benedict Wong in the posters here. I don't think this is... It's possible some of these are, are fan service things, but it would make sense that Wong, as sort of the other half of Doctor Strange from a power standpoint, and sort of the magic, you know, again, relativistic, time is immutable, blah, 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 side of things, that he would be there. Rhodey, I thought, was Ashified. Definitely Denai Guerrero was. I, I, I always have to go back to the scene. But in, in some universe, whether it's in that first hour, of the Avengers coming together for the first time, uh, um, we see Ben Nguyen, Rhodey, AK War Machine, Tanai Guerrera, Rocket, uh, Karen Gillan, who's amazing as Nebula, who's now even angrier than usual because she's actually reconciled with Gamora and now Gamora's dead, supposedly. Um, so I explained the ones I could, and the final of the 16 in color posters is. Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie. I am not surprised that Valkyrie did not get Ashified. She is a sister of Thor. I mean, she's a literal sister or half sister. Well, no, she's not. I mean, she's not a sister of Thor, but she's on Thor's power level, and so her being a goddess as well as Thor being a god, in in the same way that Benedict Wong, you know, I mean, I I don't know if Valkyrie is a level ten you know, uh, uh, powerful, um, super-powered person or Benedict Wong's character, but they certainly are bordering on it and have the potential. So for them to protect themselves from being ashified or find their way out somehow makes sense to me. Again, can't explain John Favreau or Gwyneth Paltrow, but there you have it. So, so in the second eight in color, you got Pepper Potts, you got, <laughs> you got, uh, uh, John Favreau's character. You got Benedict Wong, Don Cheadle as War Machine, Denai Guerrera, Rocket. Thank God Tessa Thompson. I mean, we knew based on what she was posting that she was going to be, you know, in a big part of this movie. She doesn't need to be in the hangar. They can meet her in space. They can meet Benedict Wong in space. Um, and that, but Nebula is there with Tony in the hangar, so they make it back from space. Now let's go to the black and white photos, in which there are also eight and eight. First is Spidey with the very dramatic, I'm cold, Mr. Stark, I'm scared, which to me is actually a signal that we were seeing that from Tony's point of view because no one else acted super scared when they were ashified. Everyone looked just completely confused, almost like a reverse enlightenment, like everything they knew was going upside down. They were watching themselves be ashified. This, I think, lends credence, A, to the fact they're not dead, obviously, but B, to the fact that maybe they're not the ones going to the alternate dimension, that it's the original adventures and all the people in in the color photos I just mentioned who are going the alternate dimension. Vision, who died twice, once at the hand of Wanda, and his request to get the Mind Stone at, and then when the time loop happened to Thanos, who just broke him, Ghost in the Shell style, which was 
a beautiful image is is horrifying and sad as it was visions there gotta have nick fury you know the guy originally brought the avengers together he's got to be in the final movie dr strange is in black and white but again this is all part of dr strange's plan and the fact that benedict wong is in is in color and again i'm talking about these photos which as far as i can tell are all official and Doctor Strange is in black and white, having been ashified. And I think he says, I'm sorry, Tony, at the end, but this was the only way, something like that. This is all part of his plan. So if Doctor Strange knew part of his plan was for him to get ashified, he could have stopped that. So he has to go to the other dimension. So I think we're going to see a lot of, uh, basically, regardless of how it's framed, I think that there's definitely going to be at least two Earth realities, two universe realities, in that Doctor Strange... Uh, in, in, in the black and white photos in the Ashified reality with everyone we saw lost and Benedict Wong being his other half who's super powerful in the color reality in the blonde haired Scarlett Johansson reality are going to be manipulating things from both sides and I think we're going to see a convergence but it's not going to be the Donnie Darko convergence. I mean, if you see the director's cut of Donnie Darko and you read the philosophy and you see it a million times you realize what's happening is you know there is a uh, circular time loop going on that may have happened numerous times in Donnie Darko. Even the director's cut doesn't deal with this, but if you delve into deep philosophy, it's possible part of the reason Donnie is losing his mind straight from the beginning is that he's gone through that time loop numerous times. We just see the final version. It's almost like a twisted, demented, really sad version of Doctor Strange and Dormammu at the end of Doctor Strange. But that had tangential with circular, and, you know, if you have a circle with a tangent, you know, that crosses the circle, it has to be at one specific point. That point would be the singularity, essentially. But in here, it's more going to be as if you had line, a single line that diverges and then converges. And I don't know if it's going to be the alternate universe, red-haired Scarlett Johansson, weird-looking Hawkeye reality, bringing themselves back into themselves the way Wolverine went back in time into his mind in X-Men Days of Future Past. It wasn't traditional time travel to set things right um, or to head a different course. Now, also in black and white, we see Peter Quill, not surprisingly. We see Black Panther and Elizabeth Olsen. I mean, you know, locks of the century was that Scarlet Witch, the Black Panther and Doctor Strange and Peter Quill and Spidey were all going to be in this. Clearly not dead. We do see Zoe Saldana, though. So maybe they are bringing Zoe back sooner rather than later. And this also points to the fact that Doctor Strange has, you know, that, you know, there had been speculation at the beginning that Zoe wasn't truly dead because the sacrifice led to him getting the orange stone from a very manipulative Red Skull. I think we could be seeing Red Skull in this movie, actually. I, I would, honestly, I would put more money on Red Skull being a devious bad guy. Maybe not the big bad guy, but in the middle of the movie, I would be put money that Red Skull was manipulating stuff more than Thanos or whoever's behind Red Skull, or maybe that wasn't even Red Skull, or he's working with someone. Who knows? He survived the Tesseract explosion from the first Captain America. So Zoe's probably in the Soul Stone. Her soul is in the Soul Stone, the orange gem. So it looks like Zoe's coming back sooner than later. Why would they put her in the poster? There'd be no reason otherwise. Um, I'm wondering if this is a corrective from Marvel to assure people that their, their favorite Avengers, especially the female and black ones, let me just say, are not, in fact, dead. So, the first eight, Spidey, Scarlet Witch, Vision, Fury, Strange, Gamora, Quill, and T'Challa. The second eight, Anthony Mackie, who, you know, they showed him being ashified again in the trailer. I thought for sure, the fact that they showed him, Danai Guerrera, and... Um, 
and and Elizabeth Olsen as the Scarlet Witch being the three Ashified in, in the black and white with the red flashback for sure would be there. Bucky's there. We know Bucky is going to probably be the next Captain America. And the only question is, um, uh, before uh, well, let me let me run through the the rest of the black and white. Mantis, Drax. I think probably, you know, Drax might die fighting Thanos. I mean, he's been trying to, he's at a death wish trying to kill Thanos this whole time. Um, but we knew the Guardians want to come back. So Groot, Mantis, and Drax are all there. Bucky's there. Sam Wilson as Falcon's there. Loki's there. So if you thought Loki was dead, by the way, one of the things that occurred to me in that prediction podcast, which, well, two things that occurred to me was that Loki could have fucked with the Tesseract big time before giving it up to Thanos. I mean, he doesn't have the actual physical time warping foresight of Doctor Strange but he's as brilliant as him so he easily could have foreseen his death known there, he, there was no way Loki thought he was going to quote unquote live that and survive that encounter and you know not give him the the Tesseract or whatever so Loki's still alive maybe in the Tesseract and I also the thought that occurred to me in that first prediction podcast was that um uh, was that that vision and or the Scarlet Witch fucked with the mind gem during all that? Probably vision. I don't think the Scarlet Witch, she was too torn apart by having killed the man she loved. She was so focused on removing it from him and trying to destroy it or get under their control. But I wouldn't be surprised if the vision, who was born from the mind gem, and even though Elizabeth, even though Scarlet Witch is more powerful than vision, as we've seen since Civil War till now, was able to remove it and is able to control it. Nevertheless, it literally, vision is just the Jarvis major matrix in an android body with the mind gem so loki could have pulled something similar with the tesseract and vision who's in the black and white photos could have pulled something very similar i mean if vision is literally i mean look the body of an android you can always reconstruct but the mind stone you know and jarvis i mean is theoretically dead but we thought jarvis was dead with ultron but in age of ultron but jarvis finds a way to survive ultron and then they use the jarvis matrix with the mind gem and the vision body which was almost completed by ultron and they steal it or whatever you've seen the movie and they created the good ultron who by the way was worthy enough to call thor's hammer or was he just powerful enough to call thor's hammer that's never been answered and people love that scene, even if they don't love Ultron. It's a little incongruous with whatever else you know we've seen. Um, but we ha- we cannot forget how brilliant the Vision is, and that he could be have hiding so much knowledge in the mindstone this whole time. Just like he made that comment in Civil War about the more good, the, the better the good guys get, the worse the bad guys get. Essentially, so there's Loki. Now we see Shuri. Now Shuri's a fan favorite. I don't know if five years ago they were planning on Shuri being a major factor in both of the final Avengers movie, but they did pick Shuri for one of the eight. Now she's in the black and white, but she's in the alternate universe. Groot, and we do see Evangeline Lilly as the Wasp. And as much as I don't like. Uh, not, let me put it this way. As much as I'm not crazy about either Ant-Man movies, I do love Paul Rudd, and I did, do think Evangeline Lilly, who I've not been cr- not been uh, crazy about in the past, did do well, and Ant-Man Wasp was probably the most memorable part of that movie. Uh, is a great hand-to-hand fighter when, when her mask's not on, even. She does a great job. Um, and um, so Doctor Strange and Benedict Wong, as one, you know, it, if Wong and Strange balance each other out in the, in the black and white and the color, Ant-Man and the Wasp balance each other out black and white and the color, Sam Wilson and Bucky balance out Cap and Natasha, Shuri um, and Black Panther are on one side, Denai Guerrero is in, the, is in the color world, Groot 
And then Loki, who I said, Drax, Mantis, right, Bucky, and Wasp. So that's it. So those are all 32. So there could be tons of misleading here. But, I I mean, for me, there's definitely alternate timelines going on. And then two major questions are, or the three major questions are, A, will they be aware of it on either side? B, um, uh, you know, will one be, quote-unquote, more real than the other? And C, what will the convergence look like when they inevitably, even if it's two hours in the movie with an hour battle at the end or whatever, you know, two hours in the movie when the timelines finally converge and the giant, you know, biggest Avengers team we've ever seen assemble come together, at least 32 people here, plus probably more, come together to fight the whatever the big bad guy is. You know, will, will the convergence be an equal convergence? Will the color reality go into the black and white reality, being that being the true reality, that, that being the thing that threw us off? Will the black and white reality go into the color reality? Will there be a, I believe there will be a third one, which is why we see at least three um, color palettes or tones in the trailer and would make the most sense, both in terms of how the comics deals with this and because you want all realities to be valid, but you also want to make this journey worth it and not just a crazy mind trip which was one of my criticisms of Guardians 2 and Doctor Strange and some of these movies is that it ends up being a crazy mind trip um, now now the Doctor Strange Dormammu trick of, of basically torturing Dormammu by infinite time loops until Dormammu gives up at the end of Doctor Strange turned out to be a trick from Strange um, or, or, or a, yeah some sort of a trick essentially I mean again magic is just an advanced form of, of trickery um, then uh, you know I think it would make sense for the two timelines to converge um, but I really think there are three already going on blonde haired Natasha red haired Natasha so blonde haired Natasha in the quote unquote present post snap red haired Natasha months or years later when the Avengers find each other again for the first time with that unknowing but also knowing look between her and Hawkeye again my whole thing's predicated on looks on hair it's really predicated on the hair of Hawkeye and Natasha and the looks between Hawkeye and Natasha everything's predicated on that but I'm, I see into these things I have feelings about these things so I think they're going to lead into a third reality the problem is we may already have a third reality with the black and white reality. We might even see scenes of all the Ashified people being in some really bizarre scenario where we see Sam Wilson and Bucky and Drax and Mantis and Groot and Shuri and Loki and all these people in the black and white photos doing their thing. And they're trying to, I mean, I think they're in the prime reality. I think that would be the interesting thing. I think that everyone who was Ashified, for them to be in the prime reality and for it to kind of be a hallucination partially caused by Thanos and the gems, but influenced by Vision fucking with the Mind Stone and definitely Doctor Strange fucking with the Time Stone. That would be such a cool twist um, for them to be in the prime uh, reality. Now, I think this also sets up a great scenario where the original six Avengers or some of them die in, in Earth 2 or Universe 2, as, I, as I've been calling it, Earth 2, um, but then get another chance to fight in the very final battle, whether they live, as I said, I'm not going to predict the end, whether they live or die in the final, final, final battle is another thing, but we could get the drama of them basically saying, and I'll leave again for now, because um, I probably will have at least one more of these in me before the movie comes out. But I think the red-headed Natasha near-future dystopia 
reality where they wake up with amnesia and they don't know what's going on and they find each other again for the first time. I think they will not really know the full implications of what's going on. They may not know who Thanos is. They may not understand or know Doctor Strange or anything like that, but they will put it together because they are the fucking Avengers. And that is the whole point of this whole thing is that they're the Avengers no matter what timeline it is. And so it doesn't actually, my final thought, doesn't actually cheapify anything. It actually makes it cooler because it means in every timeline, the Avengers will find each other and come together to fight evil. How awesome is that? And then we get the biggest Avengers team up ever in a glorious final third act, which will be, you know, Return of the Jedi or the end of Rogue One, but, you know, Avengers Marvel style. So thank you. Um, My ongoing process here of putting thoughts together, my final thought was just that, um, I dismiss the Quantum Zone suits w- in terms of Ant-Man. I still think they're going to Captain Marvel's spaceship. It seems clear in the Avengers hangar and Captain Marvel's introduction and the characters they've selected and so forth. But I think Ant-Man might sacrifice himself um, in the Quantum Zone while they're working in the normal, you know, Newtonian or, or really relativistic reality while he's working on the deep quantum level. This is all very heady, but people have gone along with it from Doctor Strange. Um, and all the way to Ant-Man with the Quantum Zone. People have gone along with it, and people have different levels of comprehension of it, depending on their intelligence and their more so their intellectual curiosity, how far they look into it. I haven't thought the Quantum Zone has been anything other than just a lot of fun. It's not really philosophically or scientifically deep, but now it could be. But the Russos do a great job of this. They did this with the um, extremely successfully with the, with the subtle um, debates of control and power and fear, uh, and so forth, the Winter Soldier, they nailed it. They hit some high notes and missed some high notes, in my opinion, in Civil War when dealing with what makes a superhero, what makes a vigilante, you know, when should governments have control and when it's too far, too, you know, when, when is something too far, when is it too much, blah, 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 blah. So most of it worked in Civil War, just in performance, if not in, in writing and, and structure um, uh, on the page. Um, but they're going to nail it here. And it doesn't really matter if you k- give two shits about the reconciliation that's still going on unsuccessfully other than very, very hypothetical strength theory uh, and be, uh, um, uh, in terms of reconciling the high-level relativism of someone like Doctor Strange or Thor or Carol Danvers and, and the Ant-Man and Wasp level deep quantum physics it, because they're going to be able to tell that story regardless of your level of, of intelligence, intellectual curiosity, education, etc., etc. And because this happens all the time in the comics, from the X-Men to the Avengers to the Fantastic Four, this is not in going against anything. And I think with all these teasing and with a three-hour movie, you almost have to do alternate realities. And so the final question I have is, are they going to stagger it or not? Um, and, and as my final comparison, you know, in... in a very bold writing move, J.R. Tolkien and the Two Towers. So, Lord of the Rings, even though we know it as a trilogy, Fellowship of the Ring, the Two Towers, Return of the King, Tolkien actually wrote as one giant book. And that book was actually made up of six books. They then turned book one and book two into Fellowship, book three, book four into Two Towers, book five, book six, Return of the King. So if we take that breakdown, because that's what all the books for the last, you know, 80 years have been, and the movies, how they were broken down, but you watch the Two Towers movie, which is still my favorite of the three movies, for reasons I won't spend time here on, but they are going back and forth between Frodo and Gollum and the Aragorn, Gimli, Legolas, Gandalf, Rohan versus Saruman in the Urukai story, they, you know, TV drama style. But in the book, all of book three is... Um, 
I, I always forget the order. Uh, all of one of uh, let's put it this way: half of two towers is just Gollum and Frodo and Sam with no breaks, and in, in the book, and half of it is totally the the other storyline with our other heroes to, trying to defend Rohan and the Battle of Helm's Deep and so forth. So that's my big question. I hope they don't stagger it, and I hope that first hour. Plus is in one of the realities, and then they start converging, and we start seeing our other heroes. It builds suspense. It builds confusion. It's like watching Memento. When I saw Memento, I watched it literally three times back to back. I mean, I was freshman in college. It was like six in the morning, but I had to figure it out in my head, and I wasn't going to watch it backwards. Um, and, and so it's sort of like the really builds suspense, but also curiosity, just like the characters are going to be confused and, and disoriented and so forth. So that's what I hope happens. Thank you for joining me for my second of, I don't know, maybe three, four, four prediction podcast. Maybe it'll be my last. I got Star Wars Celebration in a couple weeks, and then the movie is just around the corner. I have been the Bizzle. You have been awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. May the force be with you, but for now, the Bizzlecast is out.